Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes, your no BS wedding business podcast. We're here to real talk you through the common efforts we see companies making and the practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic, appointments and tours. And in this episode, you'll learn how to go into your appointments with a plan. And the exact process that tripled my sales overnight. We're your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negrum. And welcome to the shit show. Episode 23 of the Wedding Sassholes. Well, this is an exciting month because you know I'm the sales girl, heavy sales girl around uh-huh. here. Yes. So I think we killed it last week on the appointment preparation checklist. Mm-hmm. Covered all the things. So if you haven't listened to episode 22 yet, that was all the like pre what you're going to do to get ready for an appointment. And today's focus is on the actual like agenda and run through of the appointment. Yes. How to how to follow up with that. Not the follow up after the appointment, the follow up of the checklist. Yeah, I like it. So, you know, last week we talked about setting the mood and the environment and your five senses and they've arrived. And what do you think, Vanessa, is the most important piece for you to like have at the ready before everything starts? My client file, which I talked about a lot last time, but I think that's the most important pieces of documentation that you're going to need. It's going to give you all of your ammo so you can start firing away when they get there. It gives you all of the important stuff. So you're not, you're not retracking through or re not retracking. <laughs> you're not going back through information that you should have already had on hand, asking them their venue, their date, things like that. You can go ahead and reconfirm that information, but yeah. if you don't have that when you sit down, you look like an idiot. Like, who are you? Where where are you getting married? What are you doing? Yeah, and I think that's happened to all of us in some form of sales appointment, right? That you've already provided a lot of information somewhere through the process to someone. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you go to do the appointment and they're asking you questions. It happens at doctors a lot. I will say that I'm like, I just filled out the form that you sent me text 17 tech messages. Or they ask you why you're there and you're like, did you look at the paperwork at all? Like, right. Yeah. Have you looked at my file? And Did so, you even open it? Yeah. I it, think that yeah. that's an important piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I, but I know think that's one of the that, most important pieces. Yeah. And I know that you smartly use a CRM and use a lot of it electronic. And mm-hmm. I can appreciate that at a tasting or a design session, if you're a florist or even at a DJ, if you're sitting down as a meeting. Now, as a venue, it's a little difficult. I actually don't believe in the electronic version because it's really hard when you are walking around on a tour to try to be like taking notes, right? Because it's a lot of walking and talking. It's not just sitting in one spot. Right. Yeah, I've seen people do it with iPads, but I think it's more personable if it's more of paper when you're walking around as a venue as opposed to the iPad, because on the iPad, you can't really see what they're doing. But if you're just briefly taking a note on a um, clipboard, I think it's more personable. It doesn't seem like you're distancing. Yeah, it almost felt like even when I tried to use a laptop or an iPad, like when we sat down or as we were walking, kind of felt like I was like, like taking notes and typing on it. So if you're a venue listening to this, I am an old school girl that pen paper clipboard now having what Vanessa would call a client file, I used to call my meeting sheet, where it 
really had as much information as possible to reconfirm, like she talked about, but then spots on that paper to fill in things as I learned about them. I'm not saying I wrote down their entire proposal story, but if it was like, oh, how'd you get engaged? And they were like, oh, we were on a mountaintop in Georgia. I put like G-A-M-T. Like, so I, I just had that like something to jar my memory. And that's one of those things that you can reference back to in like a follow-up email something that Absolutely. you can talk about and reference back to shows you're paying attention. I will say that I have seen a venue do a really great job um, because they were, they were re renovating like certain parts of the property. Okay. And she did walk around with an iPad instead of a clipboard, but she did that because as we were walking around, she would flip through the iPad on like a slideshow and oh, show yeah. you what this will look like, what this will look like. She did an excellent job on that. So I will say that, yes, the paper and pen is great. But if you have reference photos, because some people are not visual. So yes. if you're showing off, if you're showing off a space that is a blank canvas, it's very hard for the client to visualize it. So if you do have an iPad while you're walking around and you can just, you know, you have it yes. in the order of the agenda, swipe through a few photos of it fully set. I think that is gold. Yeah. I have I seen it done really well. I definitely a hundred percent agree. I think that any venue that doesn't have an iPad for the picture functionality of the tour mm -hmm. is a must. I just believe in paper pen taking notes and that meeting sheet, I think is a reminder as a salesperson to make sure that you don't miss any of the steps that we're going to talk about today of the appointment. Mm -hmm. And you know, I used to put specific things on there that like I wrote down to make myself look smart. So let me give you an example. One of them was the sunset time, right? So if you work at a venue and, you know, at the point at which they're touring venues and they say, I'm looking in January, they're not thinking about the fact that the sun might dip under at 530. So ceremonies got to back up to four o'clock. And so I would, I actually had a spot on my meeting sheet for sunset time and I would look it up in the app on my phone and they'd be like, oh my God, you have an app. And I was like, oh yeah, girl, we, we got to plan this entire timeline, just the basics of it around when the sun goes under, you can't be taking pictures in the dark. Right. And so things like in casual conversation, I'd ask what are their favorite cocktails or where do they like to go out to eat? You know, just as we're doing this like bonding and rapport, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I think you want to design that meeting sheet around places for you to have notes, but also ways for you to position your expertise on things. Same as like you probably go into an appointment. Maybe it's not so much on the notes, but if you know the venue well, being able to kind of talk a little bit about specifics of where the cake looks best or the dessert bar mm -hmm. will go. Yeah, I go um, and talk about specific things of, hey, are you putting it in this room, on that room, on this piece of furniture? What Did you guys rent anything from the venue? And then I ask who the other vendors are that they're working with because some of those vendors provide decor. So will they be providing decor for the dessert table? I make sure that that's one of those things that shows that you're organized, but also professional is if you know your venue, you even have photos, we go back to the visualization, you have photos of displays that you've done or yeah. setups that you've done for other weddings of that specific venue that they're getting married at. It all like ties back around to the professionalism, yeah. it puts the client at ease. But I, I, I mean, I know we've preached about this in, you know, doing tours and things like or making relationships with venues earlier. But knowing the venues and knowing what they provide, knowing the layouts and knowing the different options that the venues provide, that is such a big key to the sales yeah. part of, of the whole thing. So I think that's super important. And I do talk about it a lot. 
Yeah. And, but it does position you as an expert when you walk into it with that kind of knowledge. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to in an iPad. Oh my God. It was crazy. Sometimes we had the same images organized in five different folders because mm-hmm. it would be like ceremony setups and this. And then, you know, if they ceremony then would break into smaller folders being like with arch decor, without arch decor. And so if they were like, oh, I just like it how it is, I'd open that folder. So I think it's getting detailed and making sure your images are organized in a way where you can find what you need really fast mm-hmm. and go through it. Yeah. Okay. So we've got our meeting sheets. We've got our client file. We've got everything ready. I think that I want to go back a little bit to where my career started when it came to um, working for a catering company. Listen, I can connect with people. Hey, y'all, you're still listening to this bullshit podcast. I'm just kidding. She's the extrovert if you haven't noticed. Uh Uh-huh. Connecting with people is not my problem. Building relationships with people was not my problem, but they would come in at the catering company and we would meet and like immediately click and they'd eat the food and they'd love it. And then they would never book us. And I was like, what the hell am I doing wrong here? And you also have to remember that this is mid 2000s. So the world has changed a lot in terms of selling in the last 20 years, but I was very um, blessed to have owners that invested in me. So they sent me to Sandler Training, which is a pretty aggressive sales training program. Um, And it really, what Sandler did was it taught me that selling is systematic and that if you can figure out how to check the boxes and just run through this system, they called it the Sandler Submarine. It was a little cheesy, but it like... If I just really had to learn how to work my way through the same steps every single time, because one of the things now that I have that knowledge and, you know, really turned me into the sales monster that I am today was that most people, they go right into presenting, especially I'm going to use venues as an example, the amount of times that I have been on or witnessed or um, shadowed a venue on a tour and the client potential couple walks in and they just start touring. And I'm like, how do you know what to present and to sell them if you have no idea what the hell they want? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make sense until someone points that out to you. Yeah. Right. Well, that's what they're here for, right? They want to see everything. Right. (laughs) Right. And so, I mean, it's really about taking the steps through the process to learn. Um, It's about taking the steps through the process to really learn all the way through. So Vanessa's going to entertain me today and work through that process because I think it's important for you. Now, you may not do it in the same order. You may say, oh, I do that step or I skip that step. But Again, you can look up Sandler training if you look up the submarine and you can delve into these. But I think that in general, most sales processes, these steps are happening. You just don't really notice they're happening. But mm-hmm. the order is pretty important. Yes, so I agree with you. What, why don't you start first? What's the first step? Bonding and building the rapport with the client is the very yeah. first step. So why do you think they walk through the door? I think it's important because anytime that you find common ground with anyone, there's automatically a connection. And like we've said before, people purchase from people. So if you build that bond, you build that rapport from them, they're more likely to go ahead and book your services. So I would say by the time that they leave, they have a good notion of yay or nay on if they're going to be hiring you or not based on the rapport and the professionalism and the bond experience that they they have with you at your appointment itself. 
Yeah. And you don't know, I mean, that's the challenge with marketing in 2023. You don't know if they've been following along on your Instagram stories or if they've read every email or if they've read your entire website and your about page and your history and your bio and stalked you in all the places, or maybe a venue just referred you and they booked the appointment. Or their so, parent booked the appointment and didn't tell them anything about it. <laughs> right. So they're just showing up and ready to eat things yeah. or see things or talk about flowers. And so I think that you know, when you can start any sales appointment by having a conversation that isn't presenting or starting to talk about yourself or what you offer or what you sell, and you're really just opening the door to start to try to find a common thread. Some of that is positioning your expertise, which is the bonding, like understanding that you as a professional know what they're going through, right? They've You've worked with X amount of couples through the years, so you already know it. My favorite, my very favorite first question to ask was how's wedding planning going? One question. Mm-hmm. And then you never knew which way the answer was going. It was either because when they're looking for a venue and you're the top, very top of the funnel, They're either like, oh, it's been fun and I've been looking up things online and I'm enjoying touring and whatever, or they're like, oh, you're on my end. Yeah. You're on my end where it's a little later in the process. And they're like, this is a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. Yes. Yeah. And so it allows you to see, are they people enjoying the ride, enjoying the process? Is um, the partner involved in the conversation? Because if one person is doing all the talking and the other person's just like "Eh," looking around and not paying any attention, you know, I think that that is such an easy way to open the door and find out more because what if they just in my world as a venue, what if they just went on another tour and it was terrible and like, you know, you don't know where they're at, or maybe you're the 15th tour. So I also like to ask the question that some people are like, oh, this is so ballsy. But I, every single time after I said, how's wedding planning going? I'd say, have you toured any other wedding venues? It was so, ca- I mean, tone is important with that. Sandler had to beat the yes. tone out of me because I'm kind of a smart ass. No. Oh. Uh-huh. So tone got me in trouble all the freaking time when I was practicing and role playing. But if you'd say like, hey, have you toured any other wedding venues? They'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, which ones? And they would they would tell me exactly who my competition is that I'm up against. And, you know, or and I would say, you know, oh, which one was your favorite? Or, you know, oh, you've been to 10 venues already. Well, what is it that you're looking for that you haven't found yet? Now they're telling me exactly if I don't have what they're looking for I don't even have to waste my time on the door so the like yes took me down a path but sometimes they were like um not yet I mean we reached out to a ton to schedule an appointment but you were the first one to reply and I'd be like oh I know we pride ourselves on availability and prioritizing and making time for tours even on the weekends and like we then prioritize it as look at our excellent service but Mm -hmm. Those opportunities for you to find common ground and have conversations with them is really you just learning enough about them to actually sell them what it is they want rather than you just showing what it is you have. And there's a part, it's a psychology part of when you are in the selling process, if you actually repeat back to them what you've heard them come out of their own Mm -hmm. mouth, it it like psychologically like confirms with them and they're more likely to book because you you're telling them exactly what they want to hear because they actually already told it to you. So 
Yeah. When, you know, when I first started at the venue I worked at, it was a little bit outside of the, you know, Orlando proper area. And I was like really touting it as you could come here and everybody could be here for the whole weekend and we could do rehearsal dinner and whatever. And this one bride on this tour was like, so it's like a wedding weekend. Like I can have my wedding weekend. She said it so many times. I was like, I'm just going to call it the wedding weekend from now on because Mm -hmm. She, she like put the words together that I wasn't just simplifying it down in a way. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that all of a sudden they're hearing what you're saying and they're, they're kind of turning it into what they want. And then when you can repeat that back to them, they're like, oh my God, I want a wedding weekend. Yeah. Oh my God. You, you're, you're checking off all the boxes that I was wanting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just, okay. You just told me you wanted simple and elegant. So I said back to you, simple and elegant. And yeah. Boom. It's magical. It's magical. I do miss. I do miss the days when Pinterest didn't have secret boards because they would like create this whole. Oh, because you could see it. Yeah, it was public, and you'd see everything red, and then I'd show them pictures of red flowers and red uplighting, whatever, and they'd be like, "My wedding's red," and I was like, "No, you don't say." Well, and for the people that don't know the history of Pinterest, you used to have to be approved to even have an account. Mm. Do you remember that? You'd have to wait to be approved. Oh my god. Not Way back anymore. in the day. Okay, so we bonded. We built the relationship. Now, how do you, when you're starting a tasting, the next step up is setting a clear agenda for the meeting. How do you mm-hmm. do that? You know, you're bonding. And some of these things overlap a little bit, but how do you set that clear agenda so that they know what's going to happen? I let them know my process of how the tasting will go by just like when they come in, I obviously introduce myself, do a little bit of chit chatting. And then I say, okay, so we're going to start by tasting the cakes. So I walk them through the process of this is what we're going to start with. Then we're going to go into this and then we're going to go into this. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to ask them at the end. I'm more than happy to answer anything that you have, but I tell them this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. So nobody jumps ahead, but they also know what to expect. Was it in the email that they got beforehand? Absolutely. But do they, don't just read it? they don't read it. Or they don't remember it. They read yeah, it. Yeah, so I just re-go over it. Let them know the process of we do X, Y, Z. This is how we finish. You will leave here today with this, this, and this. This is what you will be leaving with after all of these things have been discussed and figured out. So I, I set, I will plan it out. I lay it out in front of them. And then we go through the steps together and it's, it's, I mean, it's part of my selling tactic and I know I'm not a big pusher, but it works. So no, but I mean, it's not, but that's the point of this. The point of this is when you have a system that works, it's not about you having to be pushy to be in sales. It's about just working your way through a system. Think about how though, as a customer, let's say you're the first cake tasting, or let's say you're the third and the other ones, I showed up somewhere and they handed me a box and sent me on my way and said, we're going to do a Zoom meeting. And you're the first one I'm meeting with in person. So I don't really have any idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they, they've already had an experience, but it wasn't the experience of being with you. So we used to do the same thing when it came to doing tours at the venue, I'd say, okay, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go and tour through all of the spaces. I'm going to say a lot of things about what's included, but once we walk through the spaces, you can ask me questions as we go, but you don't have to write anything down because it's going to be in the packet of, I have this beautiful brochure and this book that every single word I have said is in this thing. So you'll be, and then we're going to sit down and actually work all the way through the pricing, the packages, exactly what's the right fit, dates, availability, all of those things. 
And, you know, we're going to go through every step of that. So you don't have to worry too much about that as we're actually walking around. Mm-hmm. And then we'll kind of get all the way through and look at it to make sure that it's still the right fit for what you guys are looking for. Or if I know it's not the right fit based upon things you've said or your budget overall, we'll kind of come to that consensus together. Right. And yeah. it's so, I know people are like, and again, you say that so easily. Well, I did 50 tours a month. So for five years. But once you have a workflow, you have a workflow. I mean, right. that's the whole point of it. Make it easy. Right. But you're setting exactly what's to come so they know. So they're not asking me like, well, how much is that? And how much is that? And I'd say, I will tell you exactly what's included. And if I mention anything that's, you know, an enhancement, an experience enhancement, I'm more than happy. I will tell you exactly then what the cost differential will be so they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, budgeting is a big part of it. So you have to listen to what they're wanting, what their pain points are, how you can fix that, and then go over the budget and try to give them something that's comparable to what their budget is, or maybe if it's slightly out, you just say, I know this is a little bit outside that budget, but this is everything that you're wanting. And here it is on a platter. So you could have this one or you could have that one, but that's part of the the listening part of the whole thing. Yeah. So let's go, but we're going to take one step back to pain point, because I think you kind of brought it up casually in that little flow right there. But I think that when I first started sales training and they were like, you have to find the pain, it sounded painful to try to be like, oh, and it's, you're really just looking for their potential concerns and how you can solve them. It's considered a customer centric approach to selling. So it's trying to figure out you know, you may have some general assumptions based upon what you do as a DJ. There's maybe a few basic concerns that nobody's going to dance or that the DJ is going to be on the microphone too long, or he's going to be too active on the dance floor. He's not going to get anybody participating. You might have a few standard pain points that you know for weddings, but you've got to take that step to really learn the specific pain points for your category for the customer in front of you. Yeah, agreed. That's that's part of the like bonding and at the very beginning, you bond on something and then you start feeling out what they're looking for, where the pain points are. Yeah, it's, it's a big part of it. And if you can solve that pain point, you're hired, you're in, you're in like- Literally, literally. And maybe it's, you know, you think that asking- that's why I always started with the house wedding planning going because sometimes pain points just start flying out of their mouths and they might not be pain points that apply to my category, but maybe you can solve another pain point. So you become a trusted advisor for them, right? Mm-hmm. So they could say, as I'm at the venue, they could be like, oh my God, we don't know what to do. The guest list is out of control. I'm like, okay, let's stop. Before we even tour the venue, have you done the whole A list, B list, C list, plus ones, no plus? And they'd be like, we don't know where to start. And I would kind of help them through that. Now, before we've even started selling, I moved out of salesperson into trusted advisor mm-hmm. and shifted so that I, role. I kind of do that ahead of the appointment. I know that sounds weird. But part of part of like my email, my email campaign before they come in for the appointment to get them prepared for the appointment is like a um, helping them plan actual cake part and the dessert part. Mm -hmm. I send them an email that basically says, like, don't know where to start. Here's a couple of easy steps to get that vision or to get those those reference photos like 
So it's kind of like I do that a little bit ahead of time so that when they come in, they're more prepared, but it's also finding the pain points and helping them fix the, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Yeah, It's in becoming a trusted resource before they even come in. So when they come in, they've done some of that homework and they already feel more at ease because I already like set them up for success, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think as a vendor, once they've chosen the venue, it's a little bit easier to do that. Yes. I think when they haven't picked the venue yet, when they would send me a Pinterest board, I would just sit there and be like, I don't know what to do. This has city rooftops and a barn that's wood, like I don't, it's, they're all over the place until they like narrow that first step down. So Mm -hmm. one of the easy questions, because we like to give you some action things is like, when's the last, I like say, when's the last wedding you went to? And like, how did you feel when you left the wedding? Or what was your favorite part about it? Or, you know, what is your fondest memory from? That, so you can hear I really want to know what they thought was a shit show like but you I don't want to ask that similar. I know but it's like you don't want to be like what was the worst part like you got to start with the plus to get to the minus because they'll be like oh man the DJ was so good but the food was awful you know and you're like oh, okay okay you can start with the positive and then they end up there anyways the, the fun part about that question is they start to say like oh, well, since we got engaged, we've been to all these weddings. We pay attention to everything now. I mean, I don't like this. I don't want that at my wedding. Somebody had this, which was cute, but I think it was a waste. It's so funny to hear all the things that they pick up. Once they start the planning process and they attend other people's weddings, the things (laughs) that they find that like as a normal guest that's not planning, like it's hilarious. I know. Now when, when my boyfriend's friends invite us to weddings, they're like, are you judging things? I'm like, no. Yes, I am. I yes, am. I, I am. judge everything. We don't have any choice. That's that's anytime I eat anywhere. I know. Okay. So we've done bonding and rapport. We've set a clear agenda. We found some pain points. Now we've got to focus on that budget piece because nothing is worse than you presenting solutions and ideas and concepts that they really can't afford. Mm-hmm. Right. Unfortunately, it's it's part of the beast. It is. And I think it's just like, I don't know, it hurts when people look so deflated because they want it. I mean, we all, most weddings are a champagne taste with a beer budget. Like most, mm-hmm. not even like uh, most. But that's where I like have a love and hate for Pinterest. I love Pinterest for so many reasons, but then yeah. I also hate it for so many reasons because it gives them this unrealistic expectation yeah. That they can do all of these things that they see in the magazines and, you know, publications. Yeah. And it's like, those were publicized because they spent a lot of money on that. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, absolutely. but that's, that's not every vendor. Not every vendor can provide all of that. And no. not within your budget, especially within some of these people's budgets, which it's fine. I, so that's part of the process of why I send the rough estimates before they come in, because yeah. if our base pricing is already out of their budget. I'm sorry, but there's no point in you coming in if our base pricing is already above what you're wanting to spend. But as we go through everything, I do tell them as as part of that setting the agenda, I do let them know at the end, we're going to go over um, middle, middle, high and low. Like we're going to go over the different options that will feed all of your guests. But three, I give them three options, three different options that will feed all your guests, but they're in different, you know, budget ranges. They might not be in exactly the range that you are wanting, but these are your options kind of thing. I'm very upfront about that, but I do let them know that before they leave, that will be in hand. I know that doesn't work for every vendor category. You can't do that. 
part of my design process is I can do that. So right. I do tell them at the end. We will but I think couples want it. With it. So if you can they find do. any way to make sure when people are like, I'm like, what do they leave within their hands? Mm-hmm. That's one of when they're like, oh, I'm getting ghosted. It's like, cause they, they were excited and wanted to know right now. And then you're going to send them a quote in six days, five. It yeah. doesn't, no, it doesn't no. really work. I it's send like, it before they actually leave. Yeah. While they're sitting in front of me. And I know that not everybody can do that, but I will say the quicker you can get it in their hands after the, like your turnaround time, the more likely they are to just go ahead and book it and not ghost you. Yeah. So I'm going to teach you some tips for people who tell me that they can't do it same day because that's bullshit, but I'm going to give you option B. So my very first question, um, people always say, well, I asked them about the budget and they didn't know it. So the very first question I'll ask is, do you have a budget I can be respectful of? It is a very soft way of wording it and you saying that you care how much money they have and that you understand it's, do you have a budget I can be respectful of? Now, sometimes they'll answer that question, but there's always going to be people who are like, no, I have no idea. And so my favorite technique when you get the, no, I don't know from that question is called bracketing. And what that means is I'll say, I'm going to use the venue I worked at. So the average wedding for 100 people on a Saturday in October in prime season is going to range somewhere between 12,000 and 15,000, including tax, service charge, blah, 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 whatever. Just depends on if you add any enhancements or, you know, make any changes. It's going to be right in that 12 to 15,000. Is that Mm -hmm. a number you're comfortable with? If you start bracketing it in, right? Or they'll say, you know, they'll usually, especially when they're in front of you, this is why we push so hard for in-person or at least Zoom, because on phone, it's not always easy. If they just had a, Mm -hmm. and they go silent, you don't, you don't know what's happening on the other side. But if I would say, you know, it's between 12,000 and 15,000, and they kind of look at each other, shrug shoulders, like, yeah, that's kind of what we thought. Or they'd be like, oh, eyes wide, like, oh my God, that's way over. I could start, but you've got to start shoving numbers out there. So you, it's not about there being an exact number. I know no. that if I did a hundred times my dollar per person, plus my site, plus my tax, plus my service charge, all of those things, I could give them an exact number. I don't want to give them an exact number if they're going to freak out at 12 to 15,000. I'm probably going to be closer to 15. But so you can start just bracketing them in and saying, well, if you're flexible for a Friday or a Sunday or even a weekday and maybe not our like prime four months of the year, you know, we can get closer to that nine to 12,000 range. Is that a number you're more comfortable with? But we're using things like comfortable, can a budget I can be respectful of. You're not just throwing out numbers and disrespecting people like it's not a shitload of money you just said. Right. Because yeah, I get it. I Weddings cost what they cost. But like when you start saying shit like thirty, forty thousand dollars, people would look at me at the venue and be like, that's a car. And I was like, I know. I well, know. and the good part about having them in person is you can read the room. You can yes. read their you can read their selling cues or their buyer cues. You can read all of those things and you know if you can continue or if you should just, you know, be on your merry way. <laughs> Some people just shut down after that. So yeah. It's nice because you can you can hear the tone, you can see the expressions, you you can listen to those keywords of like they're ready to do it now, like they're ready for you to hand them a contract right now, yes, um, or they're ready to just book it like out the door, not like book the 
than you or you both just run for their life because they they're in over their head. Right. But that's that next step, right? So the next step, so we run through them, almost all of them. The next step up in the selling process is them making a decision. Mm -hmm. You know, the best tool I learned from Sandler was that every meeting ends with a yes, a no, or a clear future. Meaning like no more think it overs. We have an exact next step. Even if they say they have to think about it, we have a clear exact decision for how we're moving forward. Well, and let them know how to move forward. Let them know how to make the decision. Like, what is the next step in the process? This is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to move forward, we need this done, this done, contract, deposit. Like, let them know all of those things. What is the percentage of the contract that is part of the deposit? Or if you have a set flat fee for that, you have to tell them all of those things, not just wait and be like, surprise, like, this is how much the deposit is. Just put it out there. Let them make the decision. But if you give them all of the tools for them to make a decision, they're more likely to go ahead and make the decision while they're there. Yeah, I mean, and you got to start reading cues when you're talking in that like budget, and they are nodding along with you. Or sometimes they'll actually say, well, what's the deposit? Nobody Mm -hmm. asks the fucking question, what's the deposit if they don't plan on paying you money? Correct. That's like, that is literally a like, the ambulance is coming through if they say can i pay it now what's the deposit can i pay it right now to lock this in they just don't always say the second half they casually say how much is the deposit and Mm -hmm. you need to like hear the whole sentence you know the laziest thing you can say at the end of the sales process which is i actually now prefer it if you had asked me 15 years ago i would have said this is the worst thing to say but in today's world with the least amount of pressure selling possible for a generation that doesn't really want to be sold to um, is to just say to them, you know, okay, so what do you think we should do next? It's you are putting the entire ball in their court. You say, do you have any additional questions? Did I cover everything? And they're like, yep, yep, yep. And I, so then I, as a person wouldn't be like, so you're ready to start? Like whatever. I'd say, what do you think we should do next? And they'd say, well, how much is the deposit? What does the contract look like? And I'm like, okay, we're good to go. And if they're like, well, we're going to talk about it and whatever, I know it's at 80% now. If they're like, oh, they start to backpedal. I'm like, uh, I, I, what we provide doesn't match their budget and their needs. I can't fulfill on the other side. So I think you're right. I think setting up the decision, giving them the knowledge and information to say yes is important to go through as part of your sales process. But I think you just want to make sure that you are putting the ball back in their court. And there's really, if they say, well, we need to think it over and whatever, I'd be like, okay, I totally understand. We have to talk to our mom, dad, especially a venue, because it was the biggest chunk of money. Oftentimes, they had to talk to other people or bring other people in on the conversation. I didn't mind that. What I minded was not having a, what's the next step? Okay, so you're going to go back. You guys are going to go over it, you know. If you want to go tour other venues, because oftentimes I was the first. Oh, does that happen to you? Are you the first most of the time? Um, sometimes. I mean, most yeah. of the time I am the first. Sometimes I'm like the second or third, and I'm the second and third because they had really bad experiences at the first. Year. Yeah. So, it's, I know that sounds so terrible, but like they come in and they're just, they look so just distraught, and they're like, "We've already been to two other ones, and it was really terrible." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, but I mean, I think they'll, you don't ever have to ask who it was with, by the way. But I don't, the, I some, actually, I actually encourage them to not tell me. Please don't tell because me. Yeah, because I don't. I tell them, yeah, when they say that, I actually say, I, 
with all due respect, please don't tell me because this is a small community. So I more than likely know the people that you've already seen. Yep. So I'm sorry that you have that experience, but here's a new one for you. So let's just let's, start over with a clean started. slate. I yep. do I do ask them to not tell me because yeah. you know, some of these people are my friends and I don't want to hear about no. all the negatives. So no, no but I, um I most think of the time most of the time are the first. Yeah, I mean, when you're in that spot, it's just, it can be a little bit more difficult because they do want that experience sometimes of planning. And they do, especially when it comes to venue, I feel like, you know, I always talk from venue perspective and Vanessa is more on the vendor side of the world, but they want to go see a few. And I would say to them a lot of times, again, as a trusted advisor that, listen, I know you're going to go and tour and you're going to start looking at all these packages and it's almost impossible to compare venues, apples to apples. Like no offense, but cake and desserts is cake and desserts. But like no, and I, I this venue that. is this, they're like, well, the hotel room over there is $12 less. I'm like, but the service fee is $30 more. And there's a $25 parking fee that we don't like, they don't know. I'd say, listen, I'm more than happy to sit down with you, spend the time on the phone and we can look through and actually compare to make sure that if it's coming down to price, you're making sure you're getting the best out of what you're getting the best value for what's included. Well, and I think from a vendor's perspective on what how we personally do things over here is we are usually one of the first ones that they do for a tasting as far as like our category, right. because I've already set the upfront expectation and sent them so much information ahead of time. They're not going to get, they have to book an appointment. They can't just walk in. Right. And if they're booking the appointment, then they're more likely going to book us because they're obviously that interested in our services. So I think that's another thing to consider is if you've provided them with things ahead of time, set them up for success, and they're making the time to come and see you, that it's a good it's a good sell sign. Yeah, I I really agree with you that they're making the effort and reading the room is super key um, to all of those things. My only other thing I really want to make sure we hit on before we start to wrap up this episode is that um, every sales meeting is an opportunity for you to continue to grow your referrals within the community. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times vendors planners excluded it's not the same thing you guys have like a rolodex like that you're getting paid for your rolodex but in the other categories i think a lot of times we kind of wait until they book us to be that extra help of a resource but if you can as you're working through be like oh what other cat you know as you're kind of wrapping up what other categories you still need help with and you know who have you talked to and you can either reinforce the decisions of who they've already chosen or be able to help make some referrals for them mm -hmm. i feel like that is like most venues are like, oh, I don't want to give them my vendor list if they haven't booked already and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why wouldn't you? Because if they call any of those vendors those, and they say you referred them, they rave about you. Yeah, I get that all the time. People that didn't book the venue, but they got our information from the venue. Yep. And it makes me it makes me appreciate the venue more. But I also, when I ask that question, it's always at the end when I ask them questions, comments, yep. concerns. Is there anything else I can help with? Do you have all your vendor categories covered? I ask that question at the very end because I take notes at the end on which categories they still need. And in that, that email that I send out that has the final estimate and the contract and everything attached to it, I also put in there the contact information for the different categories that they're yeah. looking for. So we'll just say DJ. If they're still looking for a DJ, I will give them three different people that I personally know and work with and love. But I don't just give them their email address. I actually put links to the websites themselves. Yeah. Love that. With the contact information so that they can go and look at it before they contact them. I especially do that for florist and photography 
because if they look at your references, if they look at your reference photos off your website and they're not interested, I don't want them to email you and like waste the time. So I put the email and I put the contact information for the different categories that they're still looking for. I love that. I think that it's such an amazing opportunity and we're going to circle back around on this next week that talks about like after appointment follow through that if you haven't asked that question or really, you know, dug into that, you're missing a huge opportunity on a touch point. After Mm -hmm. the fact, sometimes I actually used to split it up and wait a little bit. So I would like send all the regular stuff and then I'd like hold back on the vendors for like a day or two. So I could have that be another touch point rather than sending all in one email. But I think either way you do it, it works really well. I send it as two separate emails, but I send it on the same day. Yeah. So I'll send one with just the vendor information and then one with the how to book us information because I don't want the two to get lost. Yeah. So I do I do separate them, but I make the notation so that while I'm sending the follow-up email, I automatically send the vendor one. Yeah, I I love that you get it done and get it sent. I think when you're a vendor category and they're really interested and a lot of yours move really fast when they're ready to make a decision, I think as a venue, the follow-up process is a little bit longer. And so the more yeah. you can like have those reasons for them to open an email is super helpful. Yeah, string it out. Yeah. Well, we have killed the appointment process. We ran through all the agenda of steps, bonding rapport, clear agenda, pain, go find pain, setting budget, decision, uh, you know, giving them all those things. The after stuff is fulfillment and post-sell. That's the wedding itself. We're not, we're not worried about that today. We're worrying about selling to them. But we like to end every episode giving you some swag, shit we all like to get. Three action items to add to your to-do list. Okay, my swag number one is focus on finding common ground in any single area with people. It could be anything, cat people, dog people, have kids, love kids, what they do for a living, anything. Pre-research them online can really be helpful for this sometimes just to search people's name. You'd be amazed what comes up on LinkedIn and things like that or their Facebook and stuff like that. So just really focus on finding common ground. I'm going to say, set yourself an agenda, a workflow for your appointment or your tour and stick to it. Let the clients know what to expect at the beginning and then go along with that flow. It makes you look more organized, helps you make look, helps you make look more professional and not like your shit is all over the place. Like you have your shit together and you're a professional. So make the agenda and stick to it. As somebody who does a lot of shadowing people's sales appointments, you would be amazed how many times I sit through a shadow and at the end of it, the vendor's like, oh yeah, they're going to book. And I'm like, you lost those fuckers 20 minutes ago. Like you were all, you didn't even listen to a word they freaking said. And so I remember the very first shadow, I had a list of like 20 things they did wrong. I learned to not do that anymore. It's a lot more realistic of actual things they can go fix, but um, but I think you're right. Having it, you look so much more polished. Um, it's not going to be perfect the first time. You're going to find rhythm, but you have to practice it. Um, my last swag for the day is people buy from people. When you can actually legitimately connect with them and you aren't there to sell them, you are there to help them through this stressful, overwhelming wedding planning process. They are 
almost never going to ghost you because you have built a legitimate relationship. They might not book you, but they're not going to disappear on you because you want them to come back and be like, oh man, Shannon, you know, we like the venue, but we loved you, but we found another spot, but oh God, I wish I could take you with me to that other place because of budget or location or whatever. But people buy from people, they buy from people they like. So connect first, then you can help them along the journey. Yeah. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or we made you laugh. Hit share and send this episode to just one friender in the industry. If every single one of our listeners sent it to one friend, our audience would double overnight. So just send it to one friend. Is that what that means? Just kidding. (laughs) Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. (laughs) We're still talking appointments and tours this month. Next week is all about the after appointment follow through. So make sure you tune in. Yeah, now go make epic shit happen and send this to a friend.